Alrighty. Or am I? Well, you're back. So you I get am to back. Start us off. I get to start us off? Yeah. What do I get to start us off with? The fact that this is the ETC podcast. The podcast that deals with fun, family, and faith, but not in that order. Because it should be the reverse. <laughs> but otherwise, we're here and we're ready to go. I'm Jeremy. I'm Robert. And uh, welcome back, I guess, first of all. Um, so... Uh, Robert had a fun army school he had to go to, yeah. and so uh, we got to celebrate having him not around for a couple of weeks. That was nice. That's great. <laughs> I feel so much love right now. Uh, so I was at Master Leader Course. I always like the name of that, too. It does sound Master very intimidating. <laughs> a lot of people are asking, what does that mean? I'm like, well, it means I can throw another uh, piece of rank on at some point in time, or, well, actually two different types of rank when it's all said and done with, either being a first sergeant or a master sergeant, so hence the master leader course. No, nothing diminutive about it. Or anything like yeah, that. you are a you are a master leader graduate. I'm merely a senior leader graduate, and that's a it's a big difference. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's that's awesome. It's all letters. So uh one I guess I'll let you get us started now that we've uh, politely welcomed you back and see what you got for us today. So I did um, a lot of spiritual growth, I believe, uh, in these past couple of years, and especially leading up to something like this. And uh, when you come to courses like this, it doesn't get any easier as you move your way up the ladder. I think in the past, there was this, uh, and, and I can't say it from experience, but that these classes, as you got higher up in rank, would become easier and not as stressful. But um, it, it's not the case. They, they really do, and I don't know what it is about the Army. There must be some study out there that says we need to stress you out so much <laughs> yeah. in the first yeah. uh, four to five days of your class just to see if you're paying attention. I don't know if it's a retention thing, like if you retain information because you're being put under stress. I'm not sure. Whoever does these studies, I'm really wondering, are they getting smart people to do these studies mm -hmm. to prove it? Because <laughs> they really need to get some dumb people to come in and make these studies uh, obsolete so that they're not stressing people out. But I say that to say this. It, it's stressful going in to an environment that you're not 100% with. And I, pe I think people can attribute that not only to the military schools or anything, but it's sometimes things in life. If you're having to pick up and move, kids having to change schools, um, or if you're moving from like a high school to a college, you know, th this change in atmosphere and everything always calls for a, a bit of trepidation, a bit of nervousness um, that kind of builds up. And then you, you try to figure out how you can deal with that um, and I think I got hit off with the fact <laughs> that there were a couple of people um, that were around me that went to this course and did not pass. They they dropped out to, to you know, whatever. And so that kind of amped up my, uh, and, and I know I shouldn't have it, but I had a little bit of anxiety going in. Uh, not that I should have to worry about what man does to me <laughs> or yeah, what yeah. man can do. It's just a class, you know? And I kept on having to keep that reference in my head. This is just a class. It's just a class. And, and, and I prayed quite a bit to God to help me just, you know, find a calm, find a, mm -hmm. get the rationale in my head that I do not need to overly stress about this class. Be concerned for the class enough to want to study and do extra to make sure that I'm passing this class. But at the same time, I not, 
you know, I want to be slightly concerned for it. But uh, yeah, I so, think that that's that's normal. Like we we want to be successful. Um, you know, we kind of I think jokingly we all assume that the higher rank, the you know, the more plush the course, and so um, when we don't take into account all of the the different thinking and the different kind of decision-making principles that we have to establish. Um, but also like, as you get later in your career, you recognize that like, this is, this is the, what's standing between you and that next rank. This is a, a required step. And if you want to be successful in this career that you've committed to so many years, um, so it is, it can be a big thing because especially when, you know, peers of ours, people that we know go to these courses and then they don't leave with a certificate and they have to go back later. And that's never fun either, especially when you got a family. I don't want to go back and tell my kids that I, you know, failed the course. You I know, know, right? And so I could, that's perfectly normal. So there's, stress, there's but, more yeah. press. Yeah. There was yeah. The more of the pressure that was laying on me because I know I've got, uh, kids that are all in school and they're all trying their best and I'm trying to instill in them to keep you know, keep staying the course, mm -hmm. keep on swimming, keep on swimming, yeah, yeah. do whatever you can to, uh, to keep going and listen and pay attention and take your notes and do your homework and, you know, don't slack up. And I was basically like, I'm having to tell myself that, mm -hmm. um, as a model to them, because again, like we, I think we've referred to in the past, how the example that we set to our kids, we can't just simply tell them to do something. It's not do as I say, not do as I do. I want them to see me doing what mm -hmm. I'm talking about yeah. when I when I instill all that in them. And so, you know, yeah, there was a lot of pressure. And uh I think <laughs> I think it was in the drive down, uh I I passed certain points on the way to the school and I remember going to these points before and I think it was either having the same feelings or that moment of deja vu where you're like like have I thought this before yeah. as I'm coming yeah, up here yeah, that yeah. I'm really maybe should not be going to this class mm -hmm. <laughs> or, or can I just turn around at the next exit and just head on back home and call it? You know, I, I think I had that little slight moment, but, uh, but the nervousness, I think, uh, wore down when I, once I got there and the instructors were talking to us about, you know, we're all, they understand that we are senior leaders. We're all going to treat each other like senior leaders. As long as you show effort, as long as you are working hard, you should pass this class. You know, that, that was the mentality that I think got me in the right skill set. And I, and I think, you know, it wasn't just, I think it, it helped me a little bit, but I think there was still some nervousness about it. But, um, and as they say, the first four days, if you can get through the first four days, that's the most stressful. Uh, and then once you get through the four days, it kind of, it's not as though they're taking their foot off the gas you're still going to have expectations. You're still going to have reports. You're still going to have tests. And then by the day 10 in a 14-day course, by day 10, that is the second big test that you take, a written test. Um, and that once you get past that second test and you pass it and you've passed all the stuff leading up to that, you're good to go. Yeah. There, there's still a couple of things that you're going to have to you know, check the box on. But for the most part, once you get past, so those were my line of objectives. Mm -hmm. If I can get past, you know, I got here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that so was a big line of objectives. My and, next yeah, one is going to yeah. be day four. My next one is going to be day ten. Uh -huh. but of course, there's a lot of other uh, uh, little obstacles that came in the way, mm -hmm. in the form of executive summaries and 
a, a, a research paper. Uh, at least that one was a group effort, a brief. And then you had, uh, you know, all these different things you're having to do on top of being in the class. So the biggest thing that I think I could take away and try to explain this to other NCOs that will be going to the school eventually is I think the biggest payoff for me was time management. I, for, I, I pushed aside just about everything with the exception of uh, having time with God in the morning like I normally do because mm -hmm. I wake up early and, and that's my time. And so I would I would still do that. I didn't want to negate that. Mm -hmm. um, but the take the things that I took away was TV and music completely gone. Mm -hmm. My room was completely silent when I went in. And I, was it like a prison? Yes. But <laughs> uh, not having that distraction uh, allowed me to work my time management, mm -hmm. which is something very key that they they really promoted the first, and I can understand why. So you're, you're studying all day in the class. You're getting briefs and everything, which you're taking notes there. You take those notes, and then you want to dissect those notes even further down. Uh, and we do something called the, the debt process, which is describe or, or define the, the subject that you're looking at. You explain it, and then you provide two examples. Mm -hmm. So you're basically depping just about everything that you could possibly think of that they could include on that test. Mm -hmm. um, in group effort, everyone's kind of keeping everybody in check, and that was good too. We kind of we kind of uh, formed a good little community mm -hmm. uh, within the class. Um, but that time management, so you're studying all day, you get to eat dinner and and go back to the room. And so my first hour was okay. I'm going to dep. So I'm going to get a couple of things that I had in my notes, and I'm going to dep them, mm -hmm. and I'm going to get all this written out. Uh, that's about an hour, hour and a half. And then another hour, hour and a half, I was dedicated to looking up case studies that I had to do an executive summary on. And then another hour and a half, I was working on that uh, subject paper, the white paper and everything. And then I go to sleep. I'd force myself to go to sleep about 9.30, so getting enough sleep in. And I'm an early riser, so 5 a.m., I'm up, devotion time. And then... Of course, a little prayer in between all the days, uh, yeah. throughout yeah. the day. But, uh, before the but, test, during yeah, yeah, the yeah. test, yeah, yeah. right after right the test, the when test. they're about to yeah, hand yeah. the test back out. Yeah, yeah, Lots yeah. of prayer. Yeah, a lot of prayer. <laughs> a lot of praying. A lot of people saved. Um, so <laughs> we so 5 a.m., devotion, and then get back into studying. And then I'd go over the notes prior to you know, going to the class, because that's always handy, and they encourage that as well. And that helps you with your uh, uh, contributing to the class, which mm -hmm. is something that they analyze as well. So all these things is going on. And, I mean, that's that's pretty stressful days. And mm -hmm. not having music, even though that, I mean, <laughs> when I think about it, maybe I should have had some just mm -hmm. to kind of help calm. But um, but it kept me on point. It kept me sharp. And then after the fourth day, um, you get through so much. And then you kind of can tell where they did take a little bit of pressure off. But you're still, now you're in a rhythm. Mm -hmm. Now you... In those four days, and I can see the stress level is mainly because you're not in sync with how things are going. By day four, your body is, and your mind mm -hmm. has basically, in those four days, reconfigured to the scenarios that they want, the, the whole situation, the way their daily processes are and what is expected of you. You're getting that in those four days if you're applying yourself right. Yeah. So that's why it seems like after the fourth day, it gets a little bit better. And for you, now, when... Now, obviously, you've had a deployment here in the last couple of years, but before that, when was the last time you had to go to an Army school? And, and that's the thing, too. That was part of the intimidating factor. I'm old, 
I'm aware of this. Every time I mention a movie around you, it makes me feel that way. But, I wasn't going to say it. I was just asking. But I, I, and I think it may have been a good 10 to 15 years really? was when the last time I took a military class, SLC. SLC. Was, so, it would have been, what, ANOC back then? No, it was still, I think it was considered SLC oh, okay. at that time. Cool. So maybe a little bit less than 10 uh-huh. years. But I do remember I was still in the infantry, so it had to have been at least 12 years ago. Wow. So, because I've only been here for about 11. So, um yeah, so it, that part, too, and I guess SLC had started changing a little bit because there was a little bit of writing, but this one's a lot more writing. Yeah. Um, and, and and that was a little intimidating as well for someone who's been out of college well beyond 20 years. And that's what I was going to say. I think the reason why – so I, I've always liked the school environment. I worked at a military schoolhouse, too, so that helped. But – um, I haven't had a lot of gaps in between school. I mean, the biggest gap would have been from the time that I enlisted and got back from my AIT till the next school I went to was WLC. But between WLC, I got two MOSs and an, an advanced leader course, a senior leader course, where every everything was like between a year and a half and two years apart. And actually, this next gap will be the biggest because it's been about a year. Um, November will be a year since I got back from my last school. And it'll probably realistically be at least one or two more years before I can try to bully somebody out of an MLC slot for me to go to MLC. Right. But when I get there, because I've been in that environment, that school environment so much, like I, by the time I, especially cause I've been driving to Maryland, right. So I've got 15 hours to get my mind there, <laughs> but, um, I usually hit the ground running and that's such a big thing because like you talked about those first few days, the faster you can get in rhythm, the faster you can get in step. And and I just watched a video I told you about um, where, you know, they're calling cadence and they're marching and I'm watching people and some people just can't get in step. Some people have a hard time getting in step and right. they don't know how to get themselves in step and they're certainly not adaptable and they don't know how to do the little skip kick thing, the heel and kind of go and get back in step. So the faster you can get in step, though, the smoother it's going to be. And so I could imagine that that's why they do it because, those, like you said, the first few days on top of actual coursework, you're also learning what this course, the rules and the requirements and getting the lay of the land. There's a lot going on mentally and then you've got family, so you still got to deal with those. And if, you know, if you're ladies like mine, you know, it sounds like a vacation when we go away for schools because we don't have kids to deal with. Yeah, However, right. and I don't want, you don't have to say anything because I want to get you in trouble on the air. But, uh, you know, I know every time I go to a school, it, you would think that I was going to the beach for a month. If it's a month long school, I might as well have been sitting on the beach for a month, according to my wife. Yeah, I, I think my wife jokes around and says, well, you know, you're ready for your vacation. But, uh, <laughs> but I think she understands and, and, work, and yeah. we would text and, of course, we would do uh, video chats with the boys yeah. uh, so I could see them and see how things were going. Uh, it wouldn't be every day because I think that would probably get me out of sync. But uh, one of the phrases that you mentioned, and that was something I was want to talk about, was the adaptability. And, and this is one of those things as a, as, an, as a senior NCO. And then even, again, for people out there who aren't in the military, the, the fact that you do have to adapt at some point in time. Mm-hmm. You can't be stuck in old technology. You can't be stuck... In the VCR age, when we're already beyond Blu-ray, we're at streaming at this point. You know, yep. uh, computers have advanced so much, and and I think that's one of the things too of people, uh, not necessarily people who fail out and everything, but people have problems if they can't do simple functions with a computer, yeah. and and that's one of those things where thankfully, I think around here, being around you, being around other people that are are a little bit more computer savvy than me, because you got 
you were practically raised on the computer. I didn't get introduced to a computer until Apple uh, produced one for our school in the sixth grade that was in the library. That was mm -hmm. our only computer. Yeah. Like you guys have had computers in your classrooms. You've had laptops, you know, all that stuff, like throughout your entire life, mm -hmm. practically. Whereas it's not a relatively new medium to me, but it's one that I've not just been raised on. But I've got enough to, uh, knowledge in the computer world to get me in trouble. And and so knowing at least enough and being able to type just at the job that I'm at now, not in the infantry, where I've been doing a little bit more typing, I think helped me because you're on the clock on some of these tests. And if you're not, if you can't type in stuff within that particular timeline that you've been given, yeah. there's no answer there. That's a zero. You know, it's that funny. Kind of thing. And I, I listened to a really good, It's it, I don't know if they changed the name. It's called. It was called Pro Church Tools. There's a podcast by a guy named Brady Shearer, and he's a pastor, but he's a creative, and um, he runs Nucleus, which is like a social media site that basically they'll do your social media for your church. It's really really cool. But he was talking about how basically me and his generation are in this unique position where we were here before the real tech wave, mm -hmm. so like we have matured as it has matured. So we typically have a really good understanding of some of it and we can remember what it was like in your day and time when it was way before but then this next generation that's after us have only ever had it the way things are they're used to be. and so we have this unique um position where if we if we apply ourselves correctly we can help bridge that gap between that old generation that doesn't really get it doesn't really want to get it and if you weren't in the military or working around it you probably wouldn't really want to get it um and we kind of like bridge that gap between those two things and it's it's just an interesting um and he he referenced several studies and, and really um technical stuff yeah but I, mean, I think it, that's very interesting it's, it's hard to explain to somebody how to do proper research to not include the dewey decimal system or or, <laughs> or the or uh mm -hmm. having to go and look up encyclopedia britannica or, or uh, anything i, I like told that you my wife uh, she just started college back in, on campus she's been doing online and um, so she was like, oh, we've got this assignment and we've got to have like 25, we got to read 25 children's books and write summaries and like what lessons you can teach like, you know, elementary school kids. And uh, she's like, where am I supposed to get all these books? I was like, man, they got these weird things. They're like big buildings with shelves and books. And she starts laughing. I'm like, you haven't thought about a library. Like, just go in an actual go in, and there's a book, and there's like, and I mentioned the Dewey Decimal yeah. System. Go into the kids you section know. and and just having your way, uh, find a corduroy, and yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, it, 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 adapting mm -hmm. and and no, and and you can see that even in the churches now, the the churches that don't adapt, especially yeah. when COVID hit. I yeah. mean, let's be a, let's be honest, the churches that did not adapt and try to get some kind of social media message out there in some way, shape, or form, we're kind of lacking and, and may not get those numbers back that they had at one yeah. time. And it's and it's not that we're becoming solely dependent on technology, but that technology can help in getting the Word of God out one mm -hmm. way, shape, or form. A lot of churches are going to have to realize we, we can't just be dependent on expecting people to show up in the building and then, you know, and, and go through the lessons and hope that, it you know, everything's good. We got so many people now that are nervous about coming back to church, even with the the most recent, um, you know, these 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 subculture or sub uh, diseases that are coming out and everything. Yeah. Everyone's still nervous about coming out, and um, and so the social media, I, it, it warms my heart when we're doing our social media and I see these people that are, you know, we know they're sick or we know that they're nervous about coming, but I see them like mm. first one to log on. Yeah. And, and there and, you know, there she is. And I'm like, OK, 
You know, I'm good. And I see her on there. And you know that this is a subject I'm passionate about, but I'll keep it to 12 minutes. So, I uh, know. <laughs> um, but I, I do. I think that uh, I think it's easy to kind of be worried that you're going to lose some element of togetherness. But I also think that if you look at Paul, when we're talking about adaptability, I immediately, when I'm thinking about the Christian faith, I think about Paul because Paul makes several really, really good arguments to really different types of people when he's talking to, you know, supposedly as the writer of Hebrews, we can assume, um, or the different churches, they all had different um, primary thought processes. The Roman uh, people thought very differently than um, Jews did. And so when he talked to the Jews, he, he highlighted different things. He focused on different areas. And when he talked to the Romans, he was a little bit more direct and scientific. And so he, he did that. And then there's a verse where he talks about, I became all things to all people so that by any means I might win some. Right. And I've always taken that as, look, I, yes, uh, online should not be a substitute for community and actual fellowship with believers because God gave us that. And um, however, I do think that if Paul had the internet, I mean, he would, this dude was writing letters at a time when it wasn't like you can just go down, put a stamp on it and send it. I mean, there was a process to writing letters, but he was using the most available means at his disposal at that time to communicate God's word. Yeah, I think our and pastor so, was talking about this time and age. If Paul were out here, oh, he's, he's going to be TikToking, he's going to be Snapchatting, yeah. he's going to be doing everything. Yeah, absolutely. And so, uh, and that's my thing, actually, uh, as I'm getting re-enrolled in college and stuff, one of the things I keep looking at is I'm only going to have a couple of classes left, and I, I'm debating on, like, is there some digital discipleship classes that yeah, I think is really, cool. really cool, and I'm really leaning that way because I'm like, well, hey, it's something we're already doing, and so I'm interested to see how do we approach it and and remain true and faithful to the Bible and not get so carried away. We want to use what's in the world, but right. not become of the world. And, and so as I'm getting into this class and bringing it back to the class stuff, mm-hmm. um, there were some issues I had to deal with. And I think there were some that I was very proud with the outcome. But now one thing that did occur, and I don't know if I dreamed this, or I don't know if it really happened, mm-hmm. but my I may have experienced my maybe my first official panic attack mm-hmm. because we were coming up on the first test. And so all these things are starting to factor in my head mm-hmm. of if, if you fail this first test, it's all downhill from there. Because typically you get the first test is a little bit on the easy side, not too completely easy, but completely mm-hmm. understandable. Kind of easy into it. So that's test A. Test B is the more difficult test. That's the one you have to take if you have to retake the test. And, and uh, the, the prerequisites for this course, if you fail one class, you get a chance to make it up. If you fail two classes, you get one more chance to make that up, and then that's it. If you fail the second mm-hmm. go-around, yeah. you're out. So, you know, a little bit of pressure on, other than and you take into effect. I, I woke up, and I it was maybe around 2 o'clock, and again, I don't know if I'm waking up in my dream or if I'm waking up in real life, but my mm-hmm. heart's, like, about to beat out of my chest. Like, I don't know what it is to have a heart attack other than the fact you're not supposed to be able to feel your left or right arm or something along those lines. <laughs> I think that's a I stroke. But yeah, I yeah sure. Okay. So I didn't have that. <laughs> Do you smell uh, popcorn? <laughs> but my heart was about to come out of my chest, and, and I was like, this, you know. but And I calmed myself down, prayed, was able to get back to sleep, if that's the case. Uh, and then I get to the class. And the nervousness, really, I mean, just I'm on nerves now. I get into the class. Uh, one of our students didn't understand some of the computer operations, and they started freaking out. That doesn't help the psyche of the entire room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? And then you get into a program where they, they were experimenting with a different program in this particular class, and they realized that something happened, and we all ended up getting test version B, which is your makeup test 
that's the harder one. Mm. So now nerve level has gone up a, a tick more. And then top that off with you had problems with the data entry when you're typing in your answers. Yeah. Uh, you get to question two and start typing in your answer, and it boom, it jumps up to test answer one block. And I'm like, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. eventually they call a timeout real quick. They're like, open up a Word file, copy everything, or you know, write everything on your Word file, copy and paste it onto the test, and then we, we can alleviate that. We'll try to fix this later, but we cannot stop this test. Yeah. We cannot stop the clock once it has started. Mm-hmm. You're like, gotcha. So huge nerves. And, and, and I got tunnel vision. The last question, I, I'd answered the three for top three, no problem. Last question was a little tricky, and it blew my mind. <laughs> and I think I focused in on the wrong, well, I know I did. Yeah. I focused in on the wrong part of the question, mm-hmm. and I answered incorrectly, which meant I did not pass this first test. And when I got that information, my heart sank. Mm-hmm. And I was just trying to figure out how can I rebound from this. Um, so the test is the next day at 5.30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. So there's not much time to really uh, pout about it. Yeah. Or... You know, and and I'm surely not going to be pointing fingers other than the fact that obviously I, I had tunnel vision. That's on me. I should have calmed down, breathed, mm-hmm. tried to look at the question rationally, but didn't do it. Um, so that's on me, and I'll fully take that. So, you know, I akin this to, or I go back to when I was having to cite some examples of uh, one of my sergeants when I was in Iraq. And Sergeant Brown, I'll go ahead and put his name out there because he's a great man uh, and uh, preaching now at one of his local churches in Birmingham and working with Mission Field. Um, So great leader, obviously, and I used him quite a few times in examples of leadership. Um, But one of the things he told us when we were in a squad that got hit with an IED, it was we were one of the first ones to get hit amongst our platoon and uh, we were all okay. And when we got back, uh, Sergeant Brown put me and a couple of guys aside, and he was like, I'm, I know this is going to sound weird, but I'm glad you guys got IED'd. I'm glad you guys got blown up. And was like, I'm super glad that y'all didn't get hurt. And I don't wish it upon everybody, but understand this. Now that you've experienced that IED, the next time you get hit with an IED, your reaction, because your reaction time probably – when you got hit this first time was a little confusing. The next time you get hit with an IED, your reaction time is going to be quicker. Mm-hmm. You know what to expect when you get hit and how to react to it. This time kind of frazzled you just a touch, but you still did what you were supposed to do. But next time you're going to be more prepared for it. And I took that mm-hmm. going into this test again because I know what's expected. I know what the test is now. I know how the format's going to be. Nothing's new to me at this point. I'm going to be able to drive forward with this. And so it, it got me in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I studied yeah. like all get out um, and then passed the, the, the second go around. And when it came time for the next and final test on day 10, I passed it with an 80.5. And I was elated. I mean, studied. And again, like he said, you know, you face that IED the first time and it frazzles you. But the second time you get faced with it. And I guess we could do that with anything that we get hit in life. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't know what to expect sometimes in some situations. Uh, having faith in God and knowing that he's going to be there for you. And then knowing that if you ever get hit with another experience like that again, you're going to be able to, you know, overcome it. And I think I could see that in our family when we've been hit with certain things, especially and specifically when uh, my middle son had to go through uh, a pretty, um, it, it was a transplant. It was a marrow transplant. 
And boy, did it call on faith a mm-hmm. lot um, in, in trusting in God and trusting in the doctors and trusting in uh, God to, you know, guide those doctors. We mm-hmm. understand where the priorities were. Um, and for him to make it through it, we knew that when the next obstacle comes around, which we've had a few, mm-hmm. it, it's we've already faced the big one. We're okay with these other ones, even though those are, they can be big, mm-hmm. but we know we can face it. We know that we, once we've been through a really big one, that God's got our back and we can keep on going. And no matter what the outcome was or is, there's a reason for it. We keep on going. We drive on. And and, and I think that's one of the things that I took to heart uh, through the through the MLC class. And, and then getting through that second test, I think I had to confirm it about two or three times. I'm yeah, like, yeah. so I'm graduating, right? <laughs> you know, like all the other grades have been good. Yes, yes. They're like, yes, sir. Right. I'm like, okay, you positive? Yeah, yeah, okay, all right. So, you know, and then you just, you get to take that, take that deep breath. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there was a time when I got through with that, that I just got in my car and, and, and we were allowed to, uh, got in my car and I just drove off post and, and just listened to some music. And just chilled out and yeah. just got away from yeah. the classroom, got away from my room because they were both basically nothingness yeah. to me yeah. right then. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, it's but it was little victories and, and it all added up to uh, graduating from the class. And so there was a lot of takeaways that I got from it. And one of the things that I kept on trying to think about as far as uh, not so much a testimonial, but, but thinking primarily with this podcast, how things uh, can be attributed to that. So we have we talked about the adaptation, getting through uh, some of the hard things. But I've come up with my own MLC, which is a mission to learn Christianity. Okay. And so in and we've learned something called line of objectives. I mentioned that earlier. An LOO. Uh, you got LOEs, lines of uh, oh, effort. Yes. <laughs> and then you got lines of objectives. So in the line of objectives, basically you lay out. Um, different moments, different highlights, different uh, things that's going to get you to your end goal. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, what's your end goal? Well, I know we're not going to have a complete understanding of God. I know that, that that's impossible. We cannot comprehend everything that is God. But what we can do is we can get in a right place in our mind, and that's where you want to be. And that you know that in the end of it all, when it's your time, you're going to heaven. You're going to be sitting, you know, like mm-hmm. being able to see God for the first time. So that's your end goal, right? Uh, and as Christians, I think that's probably everybody's end goal. To see the people that you've missed, the people that <laughs> yeah, you've lost, yeah. and the people that you're going to be able to reunite with. Um, you know, that's your end goal. Or at least it, sh- you know, it should be. So I've created up a line of objectives. So first, just simply the, these highlights of going to church, getting to the point where you're not having to go to church, that you want to go to church, mm-hmm. you know, those kind of things. Uh, learning to... Understand what it is to come to God and surrender to Him. I think that's a huge um, factor in life, in your Christian walk, that you've really got to come to a complete understanding. I know that I gave my life to Christ when I was like eight years old, when I was probably scared to death Mm -hmm. about something or something Mm -hmm. the way they presented it to me in Bible school or or whatever, or vacation Bible school, where I was freaked out and I wanted to go to heaven and, and I came forward. But maybe my whole mindset wasn't completely in there. But as an adult, when I was you know, 20 or something, there, uh, and, and, but then I completely understood, yeah. and I had that feeling in my heart, and mm-hmm. I knew that God was calling me to come forward. That was a lot different than when I was eight years old. Mm-hmm. But getting to that point where you can surrender to Him and know that you are surrendering to Him, and knowing what you're doing, the, mm-hmm. the, what's going to happen afterwards, you know, the, the, 
the uh, the after effects of you committing your life to Christ. Everything's got to change. You got to mm-hmm. adapt, and you yeah, got to begin yeah. become this new person. So accepting Jesus Christ in your heart that was the other one, and then. Uh, number four, having the desire to continually learn. Yes, mm-hmm. we're not going to be able to understand it completely, but doesn't stop you from learning every day. That time management thing of getting up in the morning and spending some time with God, uh, experiencing uh, life in church with your children and wife, and letting them uh, mature as well with you, servants' leadership, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. Um and that, that leads into setting the example for the family, which is another one. Another line of objective is set the example to everyone around you, not just your family. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when you're walking around in the grocery store or whatever, yeah. people are going to see that look or you're talking or you're friendly or you're great at a restaurant and you're talking to people and everything. And they kind of know based on how you act. They're like, uh, that guy's a Christian. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you want that. Uh, not so much for you, but the fact that you're, you're displaying the love of God and uh, contribute to the church, not only monetarily, which is vital to the church mm-hmm. as far as being able to gain, but your talents as well. And everything that you've been given, God-given talent, that you're applying it towards the church and what God wants you to do with that talent, uh, whether it be audio video mm-hmm. or teaching a class or singing in the choir or taking up collection, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um Knowing that and being a part of that church in some way, shape, or form and helping towards the mission, you know, any kind of thing. Discipleship, of course, that's where that leads to. Uh, Not only contributing your talents to the church, but expanding that on discipleship because that's the bottom line. That's what God wants us to do is to call the people in who who Mm -hmm. don't know Him and try to get them interested in wanting to know who God is and and how they can get to that point where you're at. Uh, Missions which is what I want to do when I retire. I mean, that's on my list. Yeah, that's yeah. that's my line of objective after mm-hmm. retirement is to say yes to these missions that we couldn't do because we have work and we've got you know kids in school and we've got all this. Um, and then overall, in the end, being influential to others and, and carrying that servant leadership, which was something that they harped on. And I love the fact that uh, during the class, never got chastised, brought up Jesus right off the bat when they talked about servant leadership and the fact that you know he took time to sit down and wash the disciples' feet, humbling mm-hmm. himself before mm-hmm. the people that are around him. And they always describe um, the servant leader as one that's humble, one that's willing to go out for the people around him as opposed to themselves, not looking for themselves, but looking out for the soldiers that they're over. Um, and that's the way I kind of looked at, 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 you know, that servant leadership. But those are my big 10 steps, my lines of objectives in my life um, that I think will get me in my learning uh, my mission to learn Christianity. So, talked about time management. I think I've got that in my notes, and the fact that God wants to use you in some way, shape, or form. He wants to use you. He's given you the talents, and by all means, get out there and utilize it. NCOs were, uh, you know, brought up in the basis of training, training soldiers, and making sure those soldiers, you know, come out of battle alive. Uh, making sure that all that they can do to further their advancement, to further their knowledge. And that's exactly what we want to do with our family. That's exactly what we want to do with the people that are around us, um, that we work with, or that we just see around the way. You know, and that's that's the big thing. That was the biggest takeaways I think I've got from this MLC class in these two weeks. So and a I lot th- of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think that it's so good to to pause and reflect and think about 
those areas in your life? Because I think everybody's list, everybody's lines of objective would be different. I mean, we all got the same mission, but but how we get there may look a little different. Oh, yeah. um, and so I think that's really good. I think that there's a lot of a lot of really good um, points you make, but I think that the I guess the best advice I could say is we've got to get to a place, like you said, you want to be able to say yes. We've got to get to a place where we don't need, you know, the Holy Spirit to prompt us for us to do good. <laughs> you know, we don't we don't have to be feeling the move of the Holy Spirit to do what God has said, right? We can just be obedient. Now, we're not always going to be perfect, right? No. but we can, we can do better. And so I think so many people use it as an excuse and you ask them to serve. Oh, I'm going to go pray about it. And they want to wait for some supernatural occurrence. And God's just saying, hey, just serve, just be obedient a little bit. Um, and I think about every good thing that's happened in my life. It, none of it has been God laid out this great big plan and showed me the masterpiece all at once. No, he just say this little one instance, I need you to be obedient. And I did it. And then it's this and this and this. So um, finding, finding a way to serve is absolutely, I think, is going to be a tangible evidence of what your heart really feels. And I've always said this, you know, James talks about faith without works is dead. I say that love, if it doesn't prompt action, is not love. Because me telling my wife I love her once, when I really, really liked her once, does not make me a faithful husband, does not make her a faithful bride. It's daily surrender, it's daily choice to live for her, to serve her, to do what I have to do, because that's what relationship is. Right. And our relationship with God has to be that. Um, and I know I, I might have even told the story on the podcast. I remember years ago, um, I was in a, I was at E4, and we were getting. I was in a transportation company, and we were getting ready to drive a convoy down to Florida. So it's a few hour drive, no big deal. But we're our SP time is like nine, and it's like we're like at eight fifty five, and we should be in trucks, and trucks should be staged, and we should be getting ready to go. SP time is like the time that they have to leave, yes, just for the, yes. the the layman out there. So. so we're getting ready to roll out the gate, but like we're all standing around waiting on something, and I'm I'm asking, I'm trying to figure out why we're not leaving, and they say, oh, we're looking for uh, specialist Spain so we can pray before we go. And I'm like, are you? I'm I'm standing right here. I mean, I know Bane loves the Lord, but man. I do too, and I can pray too. And um, it was it was in that moment that I decided clearly I'm not living out loud as much as I thought I was, and Bane was. And so I wanted to make sure that that I never ever stood anywhere, and and everybody was gonna wait on somebody else to pray. And so. I was actually looking through um, some pictures today and thinking about your MLC course. I was thinking about my schools, and I was reading um, kind of the posts that I did um, both of the times that I, I got awards. I was lucky enough to get awards, but neither of the times that I actually talk about myself, um, I did talk about how um, grateful I was and, and how I feel like God has favored me and put me in positions constantly um, to do that. And so when I reflect on that, you know, I, uh, I listened to a really, really wise uh, master sergeant at his retirement, and he quoted Philippians 2. I think it's 3 and 4, 4 and 5, but it said, you know, do not do anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather humble yourselves before others, right? Basically lift these others up. And so I I was so excited that he was out loud about it. And I've been out loud about it. So when I was at um, ALC and SLC, it, the kind of the running joke is everybody called me like Brother Dunkel or Pastor Dunkel or Preacher Dunkel. And like Preacher Dunkel was a thing. And so even though I was the Distinguished Honor graduate for having the best test scores and the Distinguished Leader for being selected by my peers as the one with the most outstanding leadership, 
I left there proud of myself because people saw me as a guy who had high morals, had high value, and was Christ-centered. It wasn't just that I was a good person. It was I was a good person who was willing to talk about God in my life. And so as excited as I was for you to graduate MLC, when you told me that you got to do the invocation and the benediction. So, <laughs> yeah, and then when that came up, so we're, we get ready for the graduation. Not a whole lot was prepped for us other than the uniform that you're supposed to be wearing. So we get there, and um, we have like an hour of rehearsal. So right as the speaker was going over the notes, who happened to be my class leader, uh, he looks up and he's like, hey, we need someone to do the invocation and the benediction. Do we have anybody who would want to volunteer for that? Well, I semi-raised my hand up just like, but I, I didn't fully because I was like, well, you know, there could be someone. I don't want to rob them. And our class leader, who uh, Rose, who sat right next to me, uh, she turned around immediately and she was like, Ray, this is you. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> so the arm didn't take much for the class leader to convince me. So uh, the arm went up immediately. And they, they and so, of course, put on the spot, uh, I have like 40 minutes of prep uh, while we're still doing the yeah. rehearsal. So like maybe five minutes of prep when it was all said and done with. But I jotted down some notes and, and tried to come up with something that, that would, uh, you know, honor God, mm -hmm. uh, honor the class. Uh, kept it within the realm of some of the key phrases that we had uh, dealt with, with with leadership and everything mm -hmm. that, that we have. Um, and, and again, didn't use exude that Christianity because I, was I knew. Ask, uh, no, uh, I, and and it, it, even though it did cross the back of my mind, I'm like, that would be a me thing and not a God thing. I like it. So uh, I, I went with what little script I had, kept it simple because I know people want to get out of there. But um, Well, I'm, I'm saying you can say exude that Christianity and mean it. No, don't don't I, be like, and God, thank you for our exude that Christianity podcast. <laughs> available anywhere you get your podcast no, for blessing us with viewership. Again, be more on the selfish <laughs> side. But, but I did, uh, uh, I wrote I wrote down a, a few key phrases and got up there when it was time. And, and really, everything happened so fast. Uh, before I knew it, we were actually starting the ceremony. And so uh, I got up there and did the uh, invocation. And as I was walking down, I heard Rose say, you nailed it. And, you know, and I was just like, perfect. Uh, so then now the pressure's on to get the benediction. <laughs> so yeah. I was like going over my head because I didn't really have time to write down anything. I just kept on going over my head like, three, you know, what's three key phrases that, that can lead us out of here in being leaders of men and women you know leader of soldiers we had the, the yeah. and so um and, and so the benediction was again short and sweet uh but i put in all key phrases gave all the honor to uh to god and everything and then prayed for our safety uh to get back home and uh and and so wrapped it up and everyone appreciated it. And, and again i got the thumbs up from uh, a couple of the people in our class that knew me and everything so it was cool but uh as i was going home it's like that uh you know you always have that moment of when you when you st you get stuck and you couldn't have a rebuttal that you really wanted that to put out really there. good after yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 so that's what happened on my way home I was like servant leader I'd never mentioned the servant leader yeah. the servant leader I, even though I got to use it in the class um, I so wanted to use it on one of my tests and it but the servant leader portion never came up in the mm -hmm. test and like I was no so wanting to use that as reach. one of my examples yeah, yeah. oh I was wanting to use that but uh, but then it, it hit me on the way home. Why didn't you take advantage of that time to talk about the ultimate servant leader in Jesus Christ? But, you know, it was in my head. I got it out here on the podcast. <laughs> and maybe, and maybe <laughs> next time, too. Well, and kind of as we close, I think, it's, I think it's fitting that you went to a master leader course. And someone who isn't a good leader would assume that being a leader means being somebody else's master. 
But to be an effective leader, it's quite the opposite. It's yeah. it's humbling yourself. It's lowering yourself to elevate others. And you should never, ever, ever be replaceable. Or, I mean, you should always be replaceable. You should never be irreplaceable. Right. right? I almost messed that up. You should never be irreplaceable because if you're irreplaceable, it means you have not equipped somebody else. And so, uh, yeah, that's awesome. It's cool. Well, do you, do you get to hit us with a, a invocation or you know the benediction, uh, the benediction? for this? Well, yeah. I can do that. Let's yeah. go that. Lord, thank you for this day. Uh, thank you for this podcast. Thank you for giving us the words to um, just be able to express ourselves and how we have found uh, in our faith a love for you and a love to want to more, know more about you and to get that word to other people that they will too want to seek out what it is to be a Christian, Lord. Just help us in everything that we do, and then we do it in your name. Amen. Amen. So what does that say about your fear of test-taking that you had to reflect to a time that you got physically blown up to calm you down (laughs) for a test, a written test? But at least, you know, you're looking in a classroom like, well, no one's blowing me up. Well, So I can take this test now. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Uh, okay, where well, I've got a uh, so bonus clip. No, I, well, I did that. I did it again. I had you a verse pulled up ah. that I was wanting to use uh, because it just happened to come up in the morning devotion. I thought how great it is because I had this mindset for this podcast. But uh, I want to say if I can read it now, Psalm thirty-four, nineteen: uh, The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. And that was one that stuck with me this morning. I was like, you know what? I'm going to save this. I'm going to post it to the wall. That's one of the things that I probably should have had in the back of my mind before taking this class. But now that I'm done with this class, if I've got kids and people that are going to this class later on, this is a Bible verse I'm sharing with them. I like it. I like it. We'll, we'll fit that in somewhere. Cool.